Hello, everyone. It is Christmas week. Yes. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting. It's not Christmas yet. It's Christmas week. Although we can say Merry Christmas. Yeah, already. absolutely. Merry Christmas all month Everyone's long. celebrating already. It's a big deal. Sammy is back. She uh, was absent for a couple of weeks from the podcast. She's been traveling all over the place. She yeah. went to the magical world of Disney. Yes, Disney World was my gift for my parents this year. My parents took my sister and her husband and me and my husband to Disney World and it was an amazing time of course and it's uh they do christmas well right everything oh, yeah. is just christmas everywhere. everything is christmas it's amazing yeah. Well, we're excited you're back for this uh, special episode. We've got, you know, Kellen is here as well with Sammy and I. Uh, we just thought let's pull in a little bit of story team and do a special episode. We are not interviewing um, a special guest this week. Uh, instead, we submitted um, the opportunity for you guys, all of our listeners, to share with us some of your favorite Christmas memories and stories. And you guys shared a whole bunch of those. And so we selected a few. Uh, we're going to tell those stories here on air. So we thought instead of making this about the industry of commercial storytelling and trying to ask someone all sorts of amazing advice about how do you do this and that. We thought, we're the story community. Let's just celebrate Christmas by telling some stories. Um, and it's amazing the how much, how much meaning stories add to our lives. They connect us with each other. A story is everything. And so I think this, this week's episode will just be a good reminder to us about the power of stories. Um, so how, which one are we going to start with? I can't remember. Well, let's hear yours. Oh, What's my yours? story. Oh, yeah, because I forgot. We emailed everybody, and I, te- I had a couple people going, dude, you kind of left us on the hook. Like you, What was it I said in the email? Something about how I don't even know if I would be leading story without this Christmas gift that I received at nine years old. Yeah. So it is an amazing story. When I was nine years old, the story means more if you understand that I was obsessed with baseball, like absolutely obsessed with baseball. Um, the problem was I couldn't play on a baseball team, one, I sucked big time. <laughs> it wasn't good enough. It's pretty key, I guess, to <laughs> and, playing baseball. But when you're young, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Apparently in my town it did. I wasn't good enough. Uh, and two, uh, my, like we couldn't even afford, it was expensive to play on a baseball team. You had to like buy the uniform and pay a fee. Basically, they covered the cost of all your stuff. And my parents had minimum wage jobs. My dad worked in a factory. He cut out foam that went inside of Lazy Boy Furniture. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. My mom worked as a housekeeper. She was on staff at a college of just a few hundred students. And so with minimum wage jobs, uh, we just didn't get to do every single thing we ever possibly wanted, even though my parents were very supportive. And um, I tell you that to let you know that all I wanted for Christmas when I was nine years old was a baseball glove. That year, I remember all I wanted was a baseball glove because it was the Christmas that changed my life. And I remember opening up all our presents. There is no baseball glove. Um, and I realized, oh, there's one house left, grandma and grandpa's house. Mm-hmm. My grandma always tried to spoil us. My dad was originally from St. Louis. It was always the last house. Uh, we would always go visit my grandparents in St. Louis. And I remember getting there, running into the living room, checking out the Christmas tree, and I spotted it. There's a box under the tree. It is the perfect size to hold a brand, brand new baseball glove. I'm like, yes, this is it. This super bright light shone down from heaven. Choirs of angels appeared, and they started singing. But we're, we're gathered around. I'm like, she got it. So I can't wait. I'm like, can we have a presence now? No, 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 no. All right. Finally comes time. She puts them out. You know that smile people have when they bought you exactly what you wanted for Christmas? My grandmother had that smile. She puts them in my lap. She's like, here you go. Rip off the paper. I open it up. No baseball glove. It was a simple box of magic tricks. 
a little box of like, you know, like the little magic kit that you yeah. get at the store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She gives me a box of magic tricks. Instantly, I'm like, this is so stupid. <laughs> I didn't say that out loud, right? I just, I don't, I just remember thinking in my mind, like, why did she buy me a magic kit? Seriously, all I asked for was a baseball glove. It's not that much to ask for. Long story short, I, a couple days later, it took a few days. I finally, um, I wasn't interested at all, but I finally learned my very first trick. Uh, it was like this little, this little vase. It's like a trick that a lot of little kids learn. It's like this little, it's not even really a vase, but you put this little ball in there and you cover it up with the lid and the ball disappears and the ball reappears. And I'm like, this is dumb. I perform it for my mom and dad. And they said, how in the world did you do that? And I remember because I wasn't, I wasn't like one of the really cool kids with lots of friends. I always got bullied and stuff. I, I remember that was the first time in my entire life that someone else had looked at me with this look of awe hmm. and response to something that I had done. And I thought, I'm going to do magic for the rest of my life. And uh, I didn't do magic for the... Maybe I'll do magic <laughs> for the rest of my life. I don't know. But instead, <laughs> like, day, so much of... I, I am still doing magic, but so much of my time is being invested in leading this story community. And what, what I find really fascinating, the reason why I said the thing in the email is because I don't think I would I would be leading story if I hadn't done all the things within the performing arts community and storytelling communities and industries that I had done. And I wouldn't be doing that if my grandmother wouldn't have bought me that magic kit when I was nine years old. And when you think back about coincidence or the idea of random chance, I mean, she didn't go to a magic shop to buy that magic kit. We, I later asked her questions about it. She just bought it at like a normal store that sold everything, which means the magic section was probably like, you know, mm, just tiny. the side. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that they had a whole section of magic tricks. And there was nothing that would have communicated to her that I wanted magic tricks. And so sometimes I think about that, just the randomness of, yeah, she was just walking through the store, probably, you know, buying a few random gifts and she sees a magic kit and thinks, oh, maybe I'll like that. If she would have just reached one shelf up, one shelf down, I wouldn't have been a magician. You would have been a baseball player. I would have been. (laughs) (laughs) Probably would have been one of those. Uh, I may not have met you guys because our paths cross because of this thing that I do. Like, who who knows uh, all the ways that my Mm. life would have looked different, all because of one single little box that my grandmother, in her words, randomly bought me for Christmas. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It's crazy. So, so story, uh, story 2016 happened because. my grandma bought me a magic set for Christmas. Isn't that weird? It's such a cool story, though. Yeah, it is an amazing story. Um, it's fun to look look at all the amazing things that happened in my life, and they all began with that magical little Christmas gift Yeah, when I was nine. Have you guys ever gotten any gifts that changed your life like that? I remember when I got my first cell phone. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> I think it was pretty life-changing at the time. <laughs> Cell phones can be pretty life-changing. I don't even remember when I got my first cell phone. It definitely would have been... I would have been older than both of you, I think. <laughs> really? I've got quite a few years on you Well, guys. not quite a few, but yeah. Tell us the story. Okay. Um, I was a freshman in high school, um, and I just remember that was the time when people started getting cell phones. That, I mean, once you're in high school, too, like you just want to be cool. Like That's... That's your main objective in life is to be cool and to be accepted. And I had braces and was not cool. So and you didn't have magic tricks working in your favor. Right. My my only saving grace was that I was on the soccer team. So, anyways, um, and I just remember, you know, when when you're in high school as a freshman, you're around older kids, and so they have cars and they're getting cell phones and. 
So I just remember asking my mom, like, I want a cell phone. Can I please get a cell phone? And she was like, you don't need one. Like, why would you need a cell phone? You don't even, you can't drive. Like, I know where you are at all times and all this stuff. And so I was like, okay, okay, fine. So the rule was I would get a cell phone when I got my license, which was still a few years down the road. So Christmas morning came that year and, um, My brother and I always had the tradition of waiting at the top of the stairs until my mom and dad were done setting out the presents. We were always so anxious. Woke up super early every every Christmas morning. We go downstairs and um, we're unwrapping gifts and, you know, it's the usual, thanks, love it, this is awesome. And, you know, it's random things like books and who knows what else I got that year. I don't remember what else. Um, And we're, we're towards the end of unwrapping the gifts and we're cleaning up some of the wrapping paper and, um, you know, we're about to go eat breakfast or something. And all of a sudden, just something starts ringing from the Christmas tree. And everyone just stops. And I kind of just look at my parents and I'm like, what is that? And it's that old school, that entertainer ringtone that I think everyone had (laughs) back in the day. And I would just like remember getting so anxious inside and like, I hear it coming from the Christmas tree. So I go around and I'm, I'm looking for it and there it is, a lime green cell phone, that Nokia brick phone sitting in the tree and I kind of look at it and then I look back at my parents. It was just like, what? Is this, <laughs> is this real? Is this for me? And I like, I like pull it down to the tree and I answer it. I'm like, hello? And I, then my dad comes walking in from the other room on the phone and he's like, Merry Christmas. And I just freaked out. Like, I, like my life was rocked and it was amazing. And, you know, it was at the time when you had like 20 text messages per month and you couldn't really talk to anyone. But we didn't have call waiting or caller ID. So I was like, oh my goodness, this is my own phone line. Like... You know, that's when you talked on the phone to people, you know, so, so it was funny. a really big deal. <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> you know, I kind of joke around and say that story 2016 wouldn't have happened if my grandmother wouldn't have bought me a magic set. I can officially say story, the whole conference would not have happened if Kellen didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> so I guess. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> Logistically backstage, the things that she was able to pull off uh, from her cell phone, although it was a what a much nicer cell phone. Yes, it had um, quite a few more capabilities than my Nokia <laughs> did. I think you should change your ringtone back to that one. <laughs> just for the holidays, just to bring back that sentimental Christmas yeah, feeling. Yeah, warm, of, fuzzy feeling. Yes, maybe I will. Maybe I will. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. Same well, way, I, I have questions for you. I, wanna, I can't wait to hear one or two of your stories. But, <laughs> but I want to get to uh, one of the stories from some of our listeners. Yes, Did you- yes. All right. Um, this story was submitted from Chrysalin out of Arizona. And it starts like this. In 2013, my parents both lost their last living parent to chronic disease, my mom's father and my dad's mother. We welcomed the holidays with bittersweet hearts, the first without any grandparents in Malaysia to call and wish well. Not that I ever had much to say. I couldn't speak Mandarin well enough to really talk to them. As a college student at the time, I wasn't able to fly back to their funerals either, so I felt very distant from the grieving. I remember straining to conjure up memories to make myself cry, only to weep all the wisps. Yet the real floodgates opened. As relatives poured their hearts out with online tributes and old photos, my eyes opened to two life stories far beyond my imagination. 
I learned about Yeye's journey of faith, advocacy for school teachers, and leadership in his local art society. I discovered how Ama had hidden in the jungle during Japanese occupation in World War II, attained an education against her father's wishes, and sold her home for my dad's one-way flight to a U.S. college. I couldn't believe I'd gone nearly 20 years not knowing their stories. And this glimpse lit a spark that I can now recognize as the urgency to create. With the help of relatives, my brother, and I compiled the tributes and archival images into a video portrait of Ama and Yeye. I can now appreciate the iMovie project as my first foray into design thinking. But back then, all I knew was that even for four minutes, I wanted to bring my grandparents back to life for my parents. On Christmas Day, we quietly sat our parents down to watch the video. It wasn't a glamorous affair, no angels singing from heaven, but it was close. I'll never forget the tears in my parents' eyes as they turned to hug us at the end. For every tear they shed, I felt my own heart soften, break, and finally yield to the loving grief I couldn't feel before. Looking back, I can now laugh at the secondary reason this was memorable. Yes, my video made mom and dad cry. Only in the world of art is it permissible to feel a victory in your parents' tears. It is this movement to the soul-liberating empathy that fuels why I tell stories. As I now take my first foray into documentary filmmaking and brand journalism, I welcome Christmas as an advent of the power of the gospel story and my grandparents' stories in my own life. I love so that. Good. That's really cool. I totally know why you picked that one. That was amazing. And she even hints at why this community of storytellers is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. So good. So good. I just want to sit and talk about all my meaningful Christmas memories now. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Uh, who sent that one in? Chrysalin. Chrysalin. Thanks, Chrysalin. We were being all fun and goofy, and uh, now we're over, now we're all in here like going, oh, now I want to cry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Sammy, do you have any favorite Christmas memory or a tradition or a story? Can you make us laugh again after that? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah? Are you going to okay. do something serious or something funny? It's both. Okay. Okay. Heartwarming. Let's go with that. Heartwarming. It's about a puppy. Oh, you love puppies. Yes. If you know anything about me, I I love dogs. This is the story of how we got our family dog named Sassy. She is now 16 years old and blind and deaf and really grumpy, but the most (laughs) wonderful living creature ever. Um, So I was eight years old this Christmas and my sister and I had been asking for a puppy for a while and um, my parents seemed to warm up to it more but was still pretty unsure telling us that we are too young we weren't responsible enough and they're probably right <laughs> um, but anyway so I asked for a puppy for Christmas and um, not really sure what my percentage was that I was going to get it uh, we woke up on Christmas morning, my sister and I go downstairs, um, and we open up all of our gifts, no puppy, and I imagine I was probably pretty sulky at this point, <laughs> um, but there was still hope because there was always the family Christmas gift, and every year my family gets a gift that we all share together. One year it was like a video game system. Previous years it was like a TV, something that the whole family can enjoy. So I was really banking on this. And um, sure enough, my mom walks down with this big like folded towel and sets it on the ground and kind of unwraps it. And sure enough, there was a, a 
beanie baby sitting on this towel. And my sister, we're both sitting on the floor around it. My sister starts crawling closer. She was probably about five at this point. And then the beanie baby starts moving. And we know at this, I know at this point, this is not a beanie baby. This is a freaking puppy. And I am about to lose my mind. And my sister starts screaming and runs out of the room. Oh, no. Because she's terrified that this beanie baby is alive. (laughs) So I pick up the puppy. I'm happy crying probably at this point. And my, and my my mom has to go catch my sister and console her and let her know that it's, it's a puppy, not you, a Beanie Baby. So you really did think it was a Beanie Baby? Uh, I didn't think it was a Beanie Baby. At first, I, I, I was like, is this real life? Like, you know, kind of delusional. But my sister thought it wasn't <laughs> because real. Because it was just that tiny? It was that tiny. Is a shizu. Have you seen those? Like, oh, really yeah. tiny. They look like little hamsters as puppies. <laughs> and um, also that year, um, Build-A-Bear was really popular oh. like, around this time. And we had a few Build-A-Bear uh, costumes, like uh, sweaters and stuff. So the rest of the afternoon, we took the sweaters and put them on the dog. <laughs> and we also got one of those sticker cameras. Do you remember yes. those, like, those Polaroid stickers? I definitely have one of those. And we took pictures of the dog with Build-A-Bear sweaters. And that was the rest of our afternoon, was taking no pictures. Yeah, yeah. That is so awesome. And that's probably why she's so grumpy now. It's because <laughs> <laughs> we tortured her <laughs> when she was a puppy. Did you name her Sassy? We did name her Sassy. At first, we wanted to name her Peppy Le Pew because she's black and white and uh, looks like a skunk. But then we realized Peppy Le Pew is a male, uh, not a female. Gotcha. And she is a female. So Sassy is what stuck. Wow. She has great attitude. Have you it's got, fabulous. Have you gotten your dog yet? No, I don't have a puppy yet, but this is the year. 2017 is the year that my husband and I are going to get a puppy of our own. And I'm like out of my mind. Or maybe excited. it's Christmas 2016. M- maybe. Maybe. <laughs> that would be a really big surprise for Brandon to keep. Maybe I don't Brandon's know if he could got do it. A, uh a beanie baby hiding in the closet, <laughs> the closet somewhere. I'm going to go home and check. <laughs> you're going to open the door and be like, nope, it's just a beanie baby. And then you look again on Christmas morning and you're like, oh, it wasn't a beanie baby. Yeah, that's awesome. A Christmas miracle. What a great story. Yeah. See, Christmas gifts. I'm not the only one. Christmas gifts can change lives, people. They, they really can. They really yeah, can. They can change lives. Well, did you, do you have a story that you can tell us from one of our listeners? Yeah, yeah. We found a really awesome story that I can read. This is from who? This story is from Amber Crafton from St. Louis. And I love this story because I love the sentiment that you can experience Christmas magic from wherever you are. It doesn't matter if you're home or traveling internationally. Which you and Brandon have done a lot of. Yeah, I've done a lot of this year. You can still experience and make new memories wherever you are. Love it. Let's hear it. I participated in a Christmas missions trip to Mexico in 2005. Yes, we were there for Christmas. While there, the Lord unexpectedly directed me to return as a full-time missionary, which I did three months later. Yes, I went home, quit my job, and moved to Mexico three months later, March 2006. It was easy in 2005 to experience Christmas in a different climate and culture because it was supposed to be a one-time thing. But Christmas 2006 was much harder. By then I was living there, making a life for myself in that small rural village. 
It was incredibly disorienting for me because nothing was like what I was used to the Christmas season feeling, looking, and sounding like. So I decided to do my best to make it feel, smell, sound, and look like the inside of my small apartment as much as like what I was used to back in the US. I went to town and bought myself a fake tree that looked like Charlie Brown's real one, some basic ornaments, and a few decorations. But even that was hard because they simply don't do Christmas in Mexico like we did in the States. I walked around the town for a solid hour just trying to find a store that sold a tree or anything else for decorating because they just don't experience Christmas the same way there. Anyway, I finally found a few things I could afford on my meager budget and returned home. I mentioned to some of the youth group girls that I worked with that I was going to decorate my tree and asked if they'd like to come help. They were very eager and five or six of them actually showed up. I pulled everything out and told them to go for it. But they looked at me with blank stares and proceeded to ask me what they were supposed to do. That was the moment I discovered that none of them, zero of them, had ever decorated a Christmas tree or even owned one. I was flabbergasted, to say the least. So I got to work unpacking everything and taking them through the process one step at a time. How to put the tree together, how to string lights, how to hang the decorations. They oohed and awed at every step of the way. They even wrapped lights around themselves and they took their time examining every ornament before carefully hanging each one on the tree. At the end of the day, we took a group picture and I ended up using that picture on my photo cards for my Christmas mailing to all my supporters. I am single and I don't have a family, but those girls had over the course of nine months leading up to that day become like family, both to me and to each other. Some of them had been enemies before I even met them. That day, a new tradition was born the youth girls Christmas tree decorating party. It would always happen the first Sunday of Advent and every year more and more girls attended. We added crafts, baking, Advent devotionals and a birthday cake for all the November and December birthdays in the group. The last year I was there in 2009, we even did a summer party complete with roasting hot dogs and s'mores over a fire in my backyard and watching the proposal in our sleeping bags in my living room under the lights of the tree. Because we all knew it was my last year there together, our craft had been the picture frames to hold the group photo I was going to print out for each of them. I left Mexico and returned to live in the U.S. in January 2010, but that party continued on for three years after my departure. Only instead of decorating my home tree, they decorated a tree for the youth group room in the newly dedicated church facility we had spent six years building, and that was completed the year after I left. And every year, they would gather in front of the tree and take a group photo and send it to me. Those five Christmases I spent in Mexico were the only ones for which I had any real Christmas traditions, and they will always be the most precious Christmas memories I have. That's awesome. I don't think I've ever spent Christmas in another country before. I I've been on a cruise before. During Christmas? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what that would feel like. I think that would feel weird. Yeah. It is weird. Maybe because I tour full-time, I guess. So I travel so much. So so much of the meaning of Christmas to me is like this feeling of being home mm-hmm. and present with my family. Totally, yeah. So the fact that she was so far away in Mexico, for that's really cool, though. Tell me yeah. about your cruise. You were... Yeah, it was the. Um, Did you? Was it to Alaska? Because anything else wouldn't feel very Christmas. <laughs> no, <laughs> we actually went to Mexico. So my it's like Christmas with the crank style. So Cal, yeah, it Cal, was Callan and Amber Christmasing <laughs> it up in Mexico. It was the Christmas after my brother got married, and so it was just gonna be me, my mom, and dad. And we were like, you know what? Let's just get out of town. So we um, 
booked a cruise out of LA and went down to Mexico and it was kind of awesome. <laughs> they did a lot of Christmas like fun things on the ship. Like There was no chance of snow though, right? No, zero. Oh, snow. <laughs> it's so magical. But we're like... not going to get snow here, so. Did you have any white sandy beaches? Yeah. So you could say you had a white Christmas that way. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Amber. Uh, and pretty cool of you to uh, spend so much time down there with those girls in Mexico. Uh, we have one last story. The story is from Luke Lang from North Carolina. And I love this story. I would say why, but you guys will know why here in a second. When I was about seven, my grandma, who was a wild, crazy, beautiful soul, had a wild, crazy, beautiful idea. She wanted her grandkids to get a visit from Santa every Christmas Eve. She wanted to make a memory and manufacture a moment. It took her a few months toiling away on her trusty singer in her sewing room, but she made my grandpa a Santa suit, complete with a fake beard. Thus began a wild, crazy, beautiful tradition. For about 11 years, every Christmas Eve, they would load up the trusty sleigh, which was actually an El Camino, and make the rounds. They would visit 11 cousins at four different houses. Our three cousins in Seattle always got the Santa shaft. In the beginning, it was sweet holiday magic. No one was really fooled. Even my two-year-old sister figured out that Grandpa was Santa. But we were charmed by the creative effort fueled by our grandmother's imagination and our grandfather's willingness to go along with the plan. But in time, cousins inevitably grow up and we outgrew whimsy. Grandpa's drinking got worse and harder to hide. Grandma got tired. At first, the Santa costume smelled like sugar cookies. Over the years, it began to smell like cheese and beer. Sometimes, he would forget to wear the beard. We were over it. We were left with more memory than magic. That's the thing about moments. Even the best intention moments can get uncomfortable. But fortunately, it's not about creating a perfect memory. It's about the heart of the moment maker. Every story can be redeemed and turned into a moment that lasts forever. When we were a little older, it became pretty routine. We would take some awkward pictures and then get about the serious business of gift giving. There would always be a stocking, hopefully filled with candy canes and homemade cookies. Grandma made the best chocolate chip cookies on the planet. I know that you're probably thinking that your grandma makes the best cookies, but I'm sorry, you were wrong. One year they brought us fruit stockings. I'm sorry, but no kid wants oranges for Christmas. Grandma would give us something that she had made. We got homemade stockings one year that were personalized and seriously bedazzled. She put months into creating something unique for us, a memory, something carefully constructed with us in mind. Then Santa, um, Grandpa would pull out a stack of envelopes. We would drop the handmade memories. The envelopes had actual money, cash, moolah. We were blinded to the moment. We would usually spend the Christmas money on something that would break within weeks. At the time, we were all about the cash. Now I see that crafts were so much more valuable. Not because of what they were. Sometimes they were flawed. But because of what they represented, time, effort, creativity, thought, imagination. I thought about this a while back as I 
unpacked a quilted tree skirt that Grandma made and put it under our Christmas tree. It's a memory that has adorned our holiday for decades. Grandma created moments with her bare hands. Memories make some of the greatest art, a mosaic composed of raw joy and raw pain. Memories make the kind of art that up close sometimes doesn't make sense, like a drunk old man in a musty Saint Nick costume being driven around by his long-suffering wife to grandkids who have figured things out. But step away from the picture and it makes sense. It makes wild, crazy, beautiful art. The kind of art that remains. Money can't buy that kind of art. It is carefully constructed by the moment makers, the dreamers, the amazing grandmas who just want to make a little magic. Magic that becomes moments. Moments are better than money. Have yourself a wild, crazy, beautiful little Christmas. It's beautiful. I love that. And you talked about magic, so how could I not? Choose that <laughs> how way? could you not choose that one? Yeah. Um, thanks, Luke, for sending that in. Um, and obviously, like we, I, I read the guys' stories, and I wanted the girls read the girls' stories just so we could capture a little bit more of their voice. But that was fun. Thank you guys so much for sending in stories. We should do this more often. I love it. Me yeah, too. yeah. I want to do this more often too. Yeah. All right. Well, we are uh, we are literally days away from Christmas. What are you guys most looking forward to about Christmas? Getting to hang out with my family, get to see my niece and nephews, and just kind of, we've just been like a few days up there, and we don't do anything, and it's just, it's so fun. Just like live life with them. I'm excited. This year will be a little bit different. Um, normally, on Christmas Eve, which is my favorite day, I actually prefer Christmas Eve over Christmas, my family will usually do a big PJ party, and we have... My grandparents, our neighbors, random friends all come over and just bring like a side and we all wear our pajamas and we eat snacks and play games all night long. Um, this route is going to be a little bit different. Um, we have some family members that will be you know, missing, going to other places. So since I was in Oregon for Thanksgiving, my mom promised to make us Thanksgiving for Christmas. I'm really excited about that because my mom's an amazing Southern woman and she makes some of the best food ever. Yeah. And I'm excited for some corn casserole <laughs> and some cranberry salad. And it's going to be the best. And macaroni and cheese? Yeah. Uh, possibly. What? Possibly. I'm a corn casserole person over macaroni and cheese. I like sweet potato casserole. Oh, my gosh. With the marshmallow and the pecan. Yes. Yeah. I make, so good. I like yams. It's yeah. just like the it's baked yeah. yams. Yeah. I'm a broccoli casserole girl. Of course you are. <laughs> Velveeta cheese and Ritz crackers. You can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to eat broccoli. Covered what about, in cheese. Oh, yeah. What about you? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, same thing. I'm looking forward just to making memories. You know, my kids are, my oldest is now three years old, so he's really starting to understand, you know, that the, there's something special going on. It's not just sure. another day to him. And so yeah. it's magical. It's a magical season. Um, this has been awesome. Just reminded from hearing these stories that as we go into the holidays, it's so easy to have a shallow holiday, I think, mm -hmm. because we're stressed out, we're rushing around, we're trying to get all the decorations done, and I think a lot of people feel the pressure to entertain. Yeah. I think a lot of storytellers specifically are natural-born entertainers from mm -hmm. the holidays. We mm -hmm. we who are artists and dreamers and storytellers tend to be the hosts and the, the people who entertain all the others in our family who aren't, and yeah, my hope is, you know, just hearing these stories that we are reminded that 
what makes this upcoming Christmas so magical for us. What will make it magical is to sit down and to live stories so that mm. we can have the kind of holidays and the, the kind of Christmases that a week after we can sit down and be able to tell stories about them versus the kind of Christmas where we sit down and go, oh, I'm just so glad that's over. I don't remember anything that happened because it's all a blur. Mm. Um, how sad would it be if this Christmas is just a blur for people? So instead, let's make it the kind of Christmas that is worthy of telling stories about. So from all of us here from the story team, thanks for tuning in to this little storytelling episode of the story podcast. And uh, I hope you guys have a great holiday season. Wish you guys all a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, you guys. Thanks for listening.